it's in Ephesians, and sometimes, like, when you just read, you just get blessed. And so, um, when I read it, I pray that it blesses you. Open your ears and have ears to hear and heart to receive. But um, what stood out to me in Ephesians 3, in verse 6, the Passion Translation, it says, here's the secret. The gospel of grace has made you. <laughs> but then it was, I, I stopped there, but it didn't stop. And I was like, yes, amen. Um, into co-heirs of his promise through your union with him. And you have now become members of his body, one with the anointed one. And you know, when our friend Mark Wallace was here, he said it's better, you know, to abide in him than it is to run to him. So we are one with him anyway. And so don't have the mentality, oh, I've got to run to him. I mean, obviously, but you really, he abides in you. You are one with him in the gospel of John chapter 14 really reiterates that. That was his prayer, that they know, he, he, we know that we are one with him. And I have been made a messenger of this wonderful news by the gift of grace that works through me. Even though I'm the least insignificant of, whole, of his holy believers, this gift was imparted when the manifestation of his power came upon me. Grace alone empowers me so that I can boldly preach this wonderful message, sharing them with unfading, inexhaustible riches of Christ, which are beyond comprehension." My passion is to enlighten every person to this divine mystery. It was hidden for ages past until now and kept a secret in the heart of God, the creator of all. The purpose of this was to unveil before every throne and rank of angelic orders in the heavenly realm God's full and diverse wisdom revealed through the church. I know it's good. I'm almost done. This perfectly wise plan was destined from eternal ages and fulfilled completely in our Lord Jesus Christ. So now we have boldness through him and free access as kings before the Father because of our complete confidence in Christ's faithfulness. See, last week I said it was his faithfulness. And it's in Galatians 2.20 when I said if we, the life that we now live, we live by the faith of the Son of God. It's not simply our faith, but it's his faithfulness. Jesus, uh, it was the Father's good pleasure that in his life, his sacrifice for our sins, in his death, salvation is found through the faithfulness of Christ. So, yeah, our salvation is because of his faithfulness. So when we have little faith, mustard seed, it's really his faith that we live on. Amen. So anyway, I just wanted to read that, and it's, it's long, but I, if you go to Ephesians 3, that will encourage you, hopefully uplift you, and let you know. And until grace was revealed, the gospel never felt like good news to me, honestly. You know, there's churches preaching the good news, but then you hear condemnation, consequences, damnation, your problem, your works, it's you. So it really wasn't good news. But until the gospel of grace came and I learned that it was about him and about his faithfulness, that became good news for me. Then grace started getting revealed in me. Then my heart started opening up to receive more revelation. There's dimensions in Christ that we haven't even touched yet. Well, that he's still deep in our hearts revealing that and Anyway, 
That's what grace does. So you can never exhaust it. It's, un, it's unsearchable, which means it's unending. You know, it doesn't mean that it, it's, it's un, you can't find it. It's there. And when we look for it, he reveals it to us. We keep looking, we keep finding, amen? And so, anyway, yeah, he keeps giving, he keeps running. I know it was long, but just read the scripture and keep on, keep on reading. Wasn't long. <laughs> Wasn't long enough, right? <laughs> Always encouraging. We are wrapping up today on the ministries of Jesus from Luke, the fourth chapter. Uh, we have seen his saving ministry, preaching the good news to the poor. We've seen his mending ministry as he mends the brokenhearted. All through the anointing, the anointing was part of his ministry. He did it all through the anointing. The greatest revelation that we had during that part of the series to me was that we have an anointing according to 1 John 2.20 and 2.27. You have received an anointing when you believed, and it's the anointing of the Holy One. And last week we talked about his healing ministry and what a powerful time around the altars as the service was ending and people were being healed and delivered. And this morning we're talking about the freeing ministry of Jesus. He brought freedom. Jesus was sent by the Father to have a ministry of freeing people. Now, I believe that every healing Every miracle and every touch of Jesus when he was on the planet was setting people free. There was, when he went to the woman who had been bent over in an infirmity for 18 years, she was being held captive by that spirit of infirmity. Could you imagine living your life for 18 years where all you saw was people's shoelaces and the dirt? That's a prison. And when he touched her, he set her free. He not only healed her body, but it brought freedom. The woman who had been bleeding for 12 years, when she reached out, the touch, one touch of Jesus stopped the flow of blood in her body that nothing else worked except for the touch of Jesus. Do you think that set her free in her mind? The lepers who could not uh, have so, uh, social interaction with anyone couldn't go to the temple, had to holler out unclean all the time. And when Jesus touched them, not only did he heal their leprosy, but he set them free to be able to be free again, to have interaction and relationship with people. So every healing, every miracle, and every touch of Jesus set people free. Is he still doing that? Yes. As he still healed, operating through his body, uh, in the earth, he is still setting people free. He proclaimed freedom for prisoners. There are all types of people who are incarcerated that aren't in jail. In their minds, in their emotions, he came to tell captives that they are free. To preach deliverance from bondage. And there's all types of bondage, even for believers who are still caught up in religious bondage to share the message of Jubilee. That's um, something that we really need to get a hold of. We'll look at towards the end of this message. To free the burden and the battered is what the message translation says. He came to free those that were uh, oppressed, the ones that were battered and burdened, and to set free those who had been treated unfairly. He was anointed to do this, and you and I are anointed to do the same. It's... 
when Jesus was about to ascend to the Father, he operated in an apostolic anointing and he sent his disciples. So the word apostle is just sent one. So when there's an apostolic anointing or an apostolic prophecy that goes forth, it is to send us into the world, into the community that we're a part of, operating under the same anointing that he was operating on to do the same things that he had done. And collectively, that's why Jesus proclaimed, you shall do greater things than he did. He was centrally located in Jerusalem, the Galilee area. He did not go himself personally to the world, but now his body, as anointed ones full of the Holy Spirit, we can go and help set people free. What's the problem with freedom? When freedom is uh, proclaimed, uh, there's a problem with it in the church. And I think if you have a, a quarter, a dime, a nickel, uh, Leslie, I used this illustration in 2017 and you gave me a quarter to use. I remember that. It's legalism and a license. It's the opposite sides of the same coin. The problem here is the religious folks, are, there is a freedom killer called legalism. And they want to put rules in all types. And it's different with every church that you go to. I mean, isn't it amazing that there's some that would put such bondage on women on what they can wear, can't wear, do with their hair, not do with their hair, but it doesn't have anything to do with the men. And then you go to another denomination and it, or group of people and they don't believe that women can do, be certain offices in the church. That's legalism. And you have to dot all your I's, cross all your T's and say hallelujah the same way. That's a freedom killer and it's legalism. But on the opposite side of the coin, people will say, well, that's just a license. You're giving people a license to sin. Grace isn't a license. The freedom that God has given to you through what Jesus Christ uh, did for you is not a license. You'll see this later in the, the message here. He didn't give us a license to sin. People were sinning before they had grace. They were just covering it up. <laughs> you are free from any rule placed on you to perform in order to acquire something from God. doesn't mean we don't work for the kingdom and in the kingdom. It just means that your work and your labor as co-laborers with Christ for the harvest is not to acquire your righteousness or salvation. Jesus did that for you. He provided your freedom. If I can work to earn my own freedom, I don't need a Savior. But the scripture plainly points out that I needed a Savior because if the works under the law would have saved me, brought righteousness to me, I could still be doing certain things that would bring peace, harmony, union with Christ, but no, no with God. But Christ did that and he provided freedom. And his proclamation of freedom is found in our text of Luke, the fourth chapter, verse 18. Listen to the New American Standard Version. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim release. If something's being held or locked up and people are captive, 
and you come to proclaim and release people from that, just take one second and think, what, what, is, what are people bound by? What are you bound by? What is holding you back from walking in the fullness of victory that God has provided for you? And you need release from that. That Jesus was anointed and he's anointed us to proclaim release to those people that are being held captive. The recovery of sight to the blind and to set free those who are oppressed or being treated unfairly. Jesus came declaring his whole message, Lisa alluded to it, was good news about what he was going to do. Read I'm telling you, go to Deuteronomy 28 or Deuteronomy, and it will tell you all the things that you can't do or, and all of the things that you should do to be blessed. But Jesus shows up and he says, I will, I will, I will set you free. I will put a new heart within you. I will cleanse you. I will heal you. He's the one that's saying, I will, I will, I will. Mo. <laughs> Most messages in pulpits today will bring bondage on people. There's a little bit of good news and they'll bring Jesus into it, but most of the messages that are being preached are bondage related because it's going to put you back up under some type of system where there are denominational rules. It's amazing. We bring people to an altar they, they get saved, and then we'll escort them to a room. And we do need discipleship. Please don't misunderstand me. We need discipleship. We need instruction. We need correction. But I don't need a set of rules to put me back out of bondage. You just jumped out of one frying pan into the fire to keep operating. People, what people need to know is that Jesus loves them. The Holy Spirit wants to talk to them and he will guide them and when he guides them, he'll guide them into all truth and that he will remind them of everything that Jesus already declared about who they were. Love the part of that song that says, I am who I am because the I am told me who I am. We need to be preaching the antidote, not the problem. Uh, I could have brought a four-point message on the five things that you... Four points to give you five. Five points on how that you, the things you can do to be free today. And listen, there are some things that the Holy Spirit would tell you and I that we need to do to have some freedom in our life. But I can't blanket that with everybody because the Holy Spirit might tell Scott to do something that he's not telling Mona to do. And vice versa. Because we have individual personal relationships with different struggles and battles that are going on. But freedom comes through that relationship with the Lord through the Spirit that is dwelling in us. He wasn't declaring freedom to sin. He was declaring freedom from sin. And we have freedom in Christ, not freedom to ignore Christ. So... You come to the Lord, you still have an indwelling Holy Spirit that wants to talk to you and lead you. We don't ignore that voice. When we do, what happens? We're going to end up back in bondage to whatever is gripping us. What's the purpose of freedom then? Turn with me to Galatians, the fifth chapter. There is a purpose for freedom, Paul said in Galatians 5.1. He tells the Galatians... He starts off in chapter 1 by telling them, Who has bewitched you? 
that you would come to Christ by faith, but then go back to works to try to maintain that salvation. It's in the Spirit. And now he ends the, he's ending this discussion with the Galatians by telling them, it is for freedom, look at the screen, that Christ has set you free. Now, stand firm in that. Do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery in sin. In another part, Paul says, don't let your liberties pull you back and others back into the bondage of sin again. You've been set free from what sin was holding you captive to. Freedom from shame and stress. So, when I was a... Darius, you and I have talked about this before. When, when we were uh, young in the Lord and believers and we fell into sin in our lives, it brought shame. Then I got stressed out. Stressed out, number one, that I was going to get caught. Stressed out, number two, that I had to redouble my efforts because if I was only praying an hour and I fell into sin, now I've got to pray two hours to get forgiveness over that sin to make sure I don't fall into that sin. Am I, am, am I right? Yeah. And then I, I missed a church service and then condemnation was put on me because I might have missed what God had for me if I, because I missed that service. God can do what he needs to do for you at home. And I'm not telling you that church attendance isn't important and doesn't help us. But he can help you in the grocery store. He can help you at the movie theater. He can help you at the doctor's office. He can do for you what he wants to do for you in your life anytime, anywhere. It is good to collectively come together. But the freedom that we have in Christ has freed us from the shame and the stress of sin. Uh, quit saying shame on you. Say shame on him. Because he bore our shame. He took our shame. I'm not shameful anymore. I'm shame free. We are not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation that has set all men free. We have freedom from guilt and condemnation. Condemnation is... It's a judgment that we place on people probably because we're struggling with something in our own lives. And so I want to condemn you over something that you're doing. Uh, someone this week posted on Facebook, they asked the question, what are the rankings and the categories of sin in the new covenant? Is there any sin that's greater than another sin? Because in the Old Testament there was. And there, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin, Leviticus 18.19 says. And so if there was a sin committed, there were different blood sacrifices that had to be made. And the worst one and the most difficult one was what? Murder. Why? Because if you shed someone's blood, whose blood was required? Your own blood was. But thank God under the new covenant that the priests don't stand at the altar making atonement for sin based upon different or disqualifications so that you can bring a blood sacrifice of an animal that Jesus' blood was shed once and for all to clear our conscience so we have no guilt and there's no condemnation. And if I can walk in that freedom, it will set me free from judging other people and condemning them. We have been freed from the penalty, the power, and the practice 
of sin. What was the penalty of sin? The wages of sin is death. We've been set free from that and we have received eternal life. What was the power of sin? It was the bondage. We said this Wednesday night. Uh, it was the bondage of sin that will keep you longer than you want to stay, cost you more than you want to pay, and keep you further, take you further than you want to go. That's the consequences of the power of sin in our life. And we've been set free from practicing sin. Didn't say we didn't sin, but God doesn't require you to make a sacrifice. Jesus did that. And you are still in relationship with Him. And that sin does not separate you from God in His mind. It may in our minds. But He's not your enemy. I love this part. What's the posture of freedom? What would the posture of freedom be? Rest in the finished work of Christ. That's the posture of freedom. Because in striving and toiling and labor, there was no rest. Always redoubling our efforts because we weren't free to live out what he had already placed within us. Probably one of the greatest revelations that ever set me free is that I can walk out what he's already worked in instead of trying to work out <laughs> what I thought I had to work in. But when I had the revelation that he had worked in me, a great work by the Spirit, then all I had to do was walk that out in freedom. It set me free. It set me from toiling and laboring. Please don't get the mentality that we don't work for the Lord or we don't work with Him. Actually, He's never called us to work for Him. We're co-laborers with Him. So we're joint heirs with Him, connected with Him. Uh, been studying and looking at the... I say this all the time in weddings. And it just kind of bypasses our brains when we say it. We're here to join this man and this woman together in holy matrimony, which is the mystical union that exists between Christ and the church. That we need to begin to embrace in freedom the mystical union. And that word mystical doesn't mean mysticism. And maybe we'll share more on that. But I'm, I'm learning more about this union that's never been broken it's, it's seamless. And here's something that I'm on a rabbit trail that happens to us when we look at the cross and we think that God separated himself from the Son at the cross, then we have a mentality that sin then separates us from God. But the Trinity has never been broken up. God and the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have always coexisted, can never be busted up or broken up. And so if their union is together and now I'm joint heirs with Christ, my union with God will never be broken because of what Jesus did. That's incredibly good news. Rest. Are you tired? Are you worn out going through religious routines? Or even with religion itself, Jesus said to come to him and that he would re you would recover your life and he would tell you, show you how to take a real rest. That's freedom. Then we'll be continuing on the journey freely and lightly because he won't put anything ill-fitting on us. That's Matthew eleven twenty-eight and 30 in the message translation. The promise of freedom 
is found in 2 Corinthians, the third chapter, verse 17. Put it on the screen and then we'll join together reading it, looking at it. Maybe you've got your smartphones and you can read it. It says, Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Can I give you some information this morning? He doesn't dwell in buildings. He dwells in bodies. He doesn't inhabit this building. He inhabits you. He lives on the inside of you. So where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. So let me ask you a question. I'm asking myself the question. Is there any area of my life that I have not allowed him to be Lord? If there's any area of my life that I have not given him permission to be Lord in, then there's probably not freedom in that area. So as we surrender that area of our life, let's just throw a couple of them out there. Finances. If I have not allowed the Lord to to be Lord over finances, I probably don't have financial freedom. Sickness and disease. If I don't allow the Lord to have control in my life in that area, maybe my eating habits, if he's not Lord over that, where I've surrendered that to him and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to me in that area, then I probably don't have freedom in my health. This is not condemnation. This is just examining ourselves to say, Lord, every area of my life you can be Lord of. And so then when we do that and we begin to listen to the Holy Spirit, He's going to instruct us in things that if we are obedient to, it will set us up for more freedom in our life. The Spirit dwells in bodies, not in buildings. You probably really aren't free if you're still trying to prove your freedom. If I have to prove to you, I'm throwing just things out of the air and shooting at them this morning. But if, if I'm free to do certain, participate in certain activities and all I'm doing is overindulging in that activity to prove that I'm free and I'm probably really not free. And if my freedom bumps up against your freedom and I'm not free to prefer you over myself, then I'm probably really not free. See, there's some freedoms that I have now that I didn't used to have. But if that freedom bumps up against where you are at in your journey, then I'm not going to over, be overzealous on you and, and keep you from your freedoms of where you are at your juncture because then it might become a stumbling block. And then you'll never have freedom in that area. John 8.36 says, So if the Son makes you free... You are unquestionably free. Most Christian institutions, churches, parachurch organizations are by design or out of fear structured for control. Have you ever experienced that? So when an institution, a Christian organization, our church is structured for control, whether it's by design or out of fear, and usually out of fear in most denominations, it's been one family that's denomin- denominated, dominated 
that local body out of fear so that they didn't lose control. When that, or if a pastor out of fear of offending someone and doesn't want to lose their tithe dollars or doesn't want to lose their participation in the church, then out of fear they will sometimes come up, bump up against it. The Holy Spirit wants them to step into an area and because of fear, I don't want to lose control here that we don't step into those realms of freedom. Um, there is Where there is no release of freedom, people will never be free. By God's grace, this is a place where you can be free. You're free to be you. You're free to worship the Lord in how he uh, moves on you. Uh, you're free to... Uh, we try to give opportunity for people if they have something on their heart to share. Um, but you give me freedom to stop that if it gets out of control. And I don't mean out of control, I just mean out of line. If the, spirit, if the Spirit's been up here moving and we're all excited and jumping and then you get, you have something on your heart and I give you the freedom to share that and it's sort of, time to stop, whoa. Switch gears. Let's get back to where we were. So do you give me that freedom? I'll give you freedom as well. And lastly, the plan of freedom. What's the plan of freedom? What has God set us free to? It's for freedom. That was his purpose that he set us free. But here's the plan. We are free to loosen people from their grave clothes. Their bondages. Jesus has given them new life, but it's we're the ones that are freed now to help other people to be free. Let them go. Be free to let people go. We're freed to love people. One of the things that keeps us from being free to love people is labels. Here, here's a good example. Joey's a Baptist. He's a free will Baptist. And because of the label... On the outside of his church, and I disagree with certain things in that church, now I have a wall up that keeps me from having freedom to love him the way that I should love him. Can we go a step further? Because of the color of someone's skin, we, we begin to, we don't have freedom to love them the way that Christ loved them. Can we go a step further? Because of someone's sexual orientation, or their gender confusion. We can stand up here and say we love people all day long, but the freedom to really love people that are struggling in those areas of their life, and maybe it's not a struggle for them, I don't know. But I never will know if I don't love them the way that God showed me how to love them through Jesus and we are free to experience God's favor because he wants us to enjoy life. Jennifer, if you just play a little bit. Luke 4.18 runs right into 4.19, and there's really no break in it. And Jesus ends reading from Isaiah 61, and he adds, actually, he detracts something. He takes something away from what is in Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, 
release captives, recover sight to the blind, set people free, preach the good news. And then he says to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord's favor. Now the Jews in that synagogue that morning would have understood that he was referring to Leviticus 25.10 where it talks about the year of Jubilee. And in that year of Jubilee, it was a description that there was total forgiveness of all debt. What would total forgiveness of all debt do for you in your freedom right now? Now you've been totally set free from the debt of sin that you owed. What should that do for us? Financially, if you had zero debt right now, what kind of freedom would that give you? That was, that's what the year of Jubilee was. All your debts were canceled and forgiven. Anything that you owed to anybody, gone. Man. This really turned into a metaphor for salvation. Because sozo, salvation, is more than just forgiveness of your sins. It's health, it's prosperity. Anything and everything that you need in anything and every area of your life. That's the year of Jubilee. And that's what Jesus proclaimed. And here's what he took out. Isaiah 61 says, And the vengeance of our God. But Isaiah 54 says, He's not angry with us anymore. He told I'm not angry with you. And I'm giving you an everlasting covenant of peace. Now, as you stand to your feet, think about that. An everlasting covenant of peace where all of your debts have been canceled. You're totally free. You know, Paul said that you are actually free and that all things, and in the Greek that word all is all, all things are permissible. You have the freedom and you have the permission to do all things, but not all things are beneficial. And so that's why the indwelling Holy Spirit in your freedom will guide you into the things that aren't away from the things that aren't beneficial in your life. There's freedom in that. But here's where we've got to start participating in our freedom. Not indulging in those things and then saying, oh Lord, forgive me, but just kind of waiting for the Holy Spirit to give uh, an unction, a little guidance, a little nudge in those things. That's why it's important for us to hear His voice, to be sensitive to his, the inner voice of the Spirit because He wants you to enjoy life and the free favors of the Lord that are profusely uh, flowing into our life. But not all things are beneficial to us. Uh, hi, I'm Jamie and I like pie. What kind of pie do you like, Jamie? Hot and cold. Lynn House says, uh, I like musty pie. Musty have another piece. But I do believe that the Holy Spirit will even uh, nudge me and say, and you don't need that. Should you have another piece? And it's usually, it usually sounds like Lisa's voice when I'm going for that third Reese cup. No, I, you know, it is funny. It, it is. 
But that is how the Holy Spirit will sometimes speak to us is through those who love us that want us to be around and enjoy freedoms in life. Maybe he'll use me. He might use your spouse. He might use your children. But what the point that I'm trying to make this morning is it's for freedom that Christ has set you free. It's time to really enjoy life. The abundant life is for here and now. Not the, the yonder. That's something that has already been guaranteed for us who believe. That's settled for us. But most people aren't enjoying life and they are neglecting to live in freedom. And a lot of that is because of the guilt, the condemnation, the shame, the bondage that they keep going back to and not allowing the Lord to be Lord in every area of your life. So just meditate right now. Let the Holy Spirit begin to speak to your life. What area does He want you to surrender to Him today so that you can walk in complete freedom in that area of your life? I've only thrown out ideas that came to the top of my head, but the Holy Spirit is really wanting to speak to you right now in the deeps, depths of your heart about what He wants you to surrender. Maybe it's the freedom to not worry about your kids, your grandkids. Maybe it's an area of that you've had about your spouse. Maybe they're not a believer at this point. A wayward child, an addicted relative. You need freedom in that area. They need freedom in that area. And he wants you to be free not to worry about it so that they can, he can be free to work on their life how he sees fit just heard that take your hands off of it in Jesus name this morning I declare freedom over your mind this morning anything that's distracting or clouding you in hearing his voice we just ask that it be removed in Jesus name focus on his plan his purpose his proclamation of freedom in your life this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Somebody's having some pain right in the back, the base of their head and neck area right here. If that's you, if they're having if you're having pain right in this area.